0: Welcome to Sophisticated Property Investing Podcast. Hi there, ladies and gents, and welcome to this episode of the Sophisticated Property Investment Podcast with me, your host, Frank Flake. Now, this episode is brought to you by TikTok. Every bit of content in this episode has come from questions asked by our audience on TikTok. Now, you might have thought that TikTok were now sponsoring the Sophisticated Property Investment Podcast. I, uh, for legal reasons, will confirm that that's not the case. However, if you would like to go and check out our little bite-sized chunks of sophisticated content over on TikTok, then you can go find the channel. It is at frank.flag. Couldn't be simpler. At frank.flag. And you will find lots of little bite-sized chunks of me, Generally, presenting or sharing little concepts about sophisticated property investment, your perfect accompaniment to our long form podcast. So, the first one is from someone called Yusuf. Can't see anyone taking 25% off asking price. Most properties I view wanted offers over the asking price. That's interesting, especially in the current climate. I don't know where in the country that person is. I guess if you're viewing properties, that have been listed as offers over then that's going to be the case um, that's certainly not my experience at the moment but it depends on the vendor situation and here's the problem loads of people and i've, I've seen this now on tiktok are saying oh that's absolute rubbish that's impossible and i kind of like that <laughs> and the reason i like it is because if everyone was listening to this podcast and if everyone believed it was possible to buy significantly below market value then everyone would be doing what I do and that would be a major issue for me and so it's kind of great that people don't believe that it's possible to get a significant discount off a property like my my first ever house was 126 and a half thousand pounds that's that was the the asking price of the house I bought. And I bought it for 125. And I asked my father-in-law at the time, I said, look, should I negotiate? I really want this house and I can afford 126 and a half. And he said, Frank, that 1500 pounds is really, like I was worried I was gonna lose the deal because I'd asked for a discount, let alone get the discount. And he said that 1500 pounds takes a lot of earning. And it did at the time, that was a month's salary just over in fact. Take home, and so I asked for uh, the discount through the agent with bated breath, and they came straight back and said yes, yes, that's been accepted at 125. I was delighted with that. This will date stamp it, but at the time, stamp duty was at 120, so I was going to have to pay a little bit of stamp duty because it was slabbed. so you didn't pay any stamp duty on the first 120,000, and then you paid stamp duty on the next 5,000. I was going to pay a bit of stamp, and then between the offer being accepted and completion, the stamp duty threshold went up by 5K, so I ended up paying no stamp duty either. But I can remember being nervous about buying at £1,500 below market value, so that's less than 1% discount. The reason, Yusuf, you're getting those issues is because you're buying retail, so you're just going to agents and viewing ordinarily. I can guarantee you, Yusuf, so you don't know why the vendor's selling. I can guarantee that you're not talking direct to the vendor, sitting down, having a cup of tea with them and solving any of their problems. You're looking at the property, most likely, and you're negotiating on price. I don't negotiate on price. I don't negotiate at all. I find out the vendor's problem and then I solve their problem and sometimes that's buying below market value and I tell them what I can pay and that's it. And sometimes it's coming up with a control now, pay later strategy that pays more than it's worth or pays market value, but in a way that works for me. So that's our first question. Wholesale rather than retail is the answer, Yusuf. You need to be negotiating and buying. See, I've just used the word negotiating. Yeah, we don't negotiate, but we do have a really good discussion and we do find out the vendors reasons for needing to sell and then we do sell their uh, property. So I guess marketing and selling is the better, better description. Selling our service, I bet. Yusuf and I don't know this that you are in the mindset of buying properties but I'm not I'm in the mindset of selling my property problem solving service and that might sound like semantics but it completely transforms how you approach the entire business that's question number one Thank you for the question. Question number two. This is from Coach 00000007. I can't count all the O's. Um, So Coach, I'm just going to call you Coach if that's okay. Coach says, you might get lucky after trying this on 100 houses, but by then you'll have a bad reputation with every agent. It's such a good observation. There's two parts to this. The first is you might get lucky with one in 100 properties. I think that's a bit optimistic. 007 or 0000. 007 (laughs) but i think more like one in a thousand rather than one in a hundred you could get lucky i I guess yeah you could get lucky but you could get lucky in one in ten or the first one you speak to but i think statistically it's going to be more like one in a thousand properties on the market but in answer to your statement yes It absolutely 100% is a numbers game. It's all down to the numbers and you have to recognize that most people are not going to be interested in your service. It doesn't suit their service. It's not good value for money paying for our service and discounting their property in the way that they need to to have our solution or being uber flexible on the way that we buy their property in order to solve their problem. Most people don't have problems that are that hard to solve. You know, most people are well, I've got a buy to let and I'm a bit fed up with it. So I just thought I'd put it on the market, but I've got a good tenant and I don't mind waiting a year. You know, if, if someone's that level of motivated, one out of 10 motivated, then they're not going to sell to us. That's just never going to happen. But as coach says, if you speak to a lot of those people, then you're going to find one person who is motivated enough to need us to solve their problem in a creative way. And that's where we do our deals. The second part of coach's question or statement is you'll have a bad reputation with every agent and I couldn't disagree more. I do quite a lot of business with agents, not loads, but a substantial number of deals come through agents and I don't have a bad reputation with them. In fact, typically they love me because I'm buying all the properties they can't otherwise sell, but it's in the positioning. So if you just walk in and view... 10 houses and offer 25% below on all 10, then they've wasted their time because they've shown you around 10 houses. If you follow the donut strategy, which is building relationships and rapport with agents and educating them on how you buy and talking to them about the properties that they have on their books and which ones are struggling and which ones have fallen through and which ones are blighted and have structural issues etc then they already know before they bring you the property what the potential solutions might be also you don't need to go and view them you're interested in the vendors not the properties so going and viewing the properties is a waste of everyone's time until you know what the vendor situation is and that they're highly motivated and so coach you're right if you go about it the wrong way But if you go about it the right way, then agents are going to like you. They're not going to be upset with you. It's about the positioning and it's about the making sure that you are clear about your service and explain that up front. So going to disagree with you on both points. One, because you're too optimistic and one, because you're a bit too pessimistic. So question number three is from Nakamichi. Love that name. So the question is, how do you buy a house in 28 days? The legal process takes a lot longer. And that's a really good question. Really good question. Some of these questions have got a bit of an edge to them and they're kind of saying this is impossible. You're... And and some of the comments, by the way, I'm taking the more reasonable comments. I'm not, uh, not, the team haven't pulled out comments uh, that that are just rude, uh, of which there are quite a few. Uh, People just are incredulous, aren't they? And so then they assume that their perspective on reality, their experience to date is correct. And therefore, I must be lying or making this up. Whereas, Namichi's question here is, I think, a genuine question. Like, how do you do this? If if the legal process takes a lot longer. And a conveyancer friend of mine once told me, I think it was four and a half months is the average. And of course that goes up and down in time. Um, I think it sometimes hits six months as an average time between offer and completion, which is unbelievable. It's up there at the moment. It's slow at the moment, I know that. So, Namichi, you're absolutely right. If you go to a regular conveyancer who you haven't worked with before and you just assume that they are gonna do a good job, And that you assume convincing is convincing that's convincing there's no difference you know it takes as long as it takes then yeah it is going to take statistically the average length of time and that's why you need a power team and on your power team you need two sets of solicitors who you've got an ongoing relationship with understand your business model Know each other really well and are set up and ready to get these through really quick. You also need to understand their paperwork. And so when we sign up a vendor, we sign them up onto the solicitor's paperwork. And it's all standard paperwork generally. So we sign them up onto the property information form, the PIF, fixtures and fittings, client information, all of their regular documentation and post it off to the solicitors the, the same day, special delivery. We scan it in the office first and email it to the solicitor. So literally within like two hours, three hours of the help visit and the sign up, it's literally in the solicitor's hands on, the, on, their, uh, on their computer. They get all the wet copies the next day, but they know they're coming because they've been special delivered. And then they can open a file literally within hours of the vendor agreeing to the sale. They then have to engage the client directly. So they will write to the client, give them a call, say, hi, I've received this paperwork. They they actually scan it and send it back to the client and say, just sign once to say all this is, is correct and, and that you've filled this out because they, they've just had it in the post unsolicited and so it just means this, the client signs one bit of paper. They also sign the um, client instruction paperwork, the letter of engagement, etc. But on day one, we've paid money on account. We've given all the information so they can start searches literally on, on the day that the vendor has said yes. I disagree with part of your question, Namichi, because buying a house doesn't have to take ages and ages. With two willing solicitors and Finance in place or cash in place. You could do it in one day if the two solicitors were communicative enough You can buy a property in one day There's no reason why you couldn't start at 9 a.m. and finish it at 5 p.m There's there's not that many steps at all and so 28 days is not hard The problem is if everything is done via snail mail and if everyone takes a week before looking at the file then yeah, it's gonna take ages and ages, but if people are on it and really communicative then it's not difficult at all. So it's about the positioning and it's about having the right team around you, uh, Namichi, and that will make all the difference. And, and you need that team in place before the deal. There's no point in having the deal and then going, right, I need to find a really good solicitor because that could take a month or two. I've, I've just met with a new solicitor actually last week and described how we work, described all the paperwork that we use, etc. And they took it to their board and the board said, actually, we don't have an appetite for this kind of work which is a, a, obviously it's a disappointment at one level because we picked the firm when we thought they'd be good. We had a personal connection with one of the directors, but I'd much rather know that now before we've instructed any transactions, before we've got any vendors positioned to use them. We know that they're not set up to work that quickly. They're not experienced at using option agreements and having sophisticated transactions, they just want vanilla bread and butter transactions and lots and lots of them so that, that's good to know but not every solicitor I guess that proves my point not every solicitor is set up to uh, to do deals like this so question number four is from user 6102298643061 that's so funny so I'll just call you user how do you get to the conversation with the seller and that therein lies the rub I have never bought ever a property where I've not had direct communication with the vendor. And it's not because I have some, you know, morals or ethics around only doing deals the way that I teach doing them. And I won't buy if it's through the agent. It's because I can't buy if it's through the agent. I agreed a deal yesterday. Really nice deal. Value of the property that we're buying is... 675,000 pounds and we've agreed to take control of it for 30,000 now and for stage payments over 11 years. That's a really good deal. By the time we have actually paid for that, we will have made a lot of money on that deal. It took 3 months. Of negotiation. I was introduced it was a referral. I was introduced to this vendor on the 27th of October and I'm recording this on the 24th of January. So that's almost exactly three months. Just three days shy of three months. It took me three months. I've made nine different offers. So I'm, it was a control now pay later deal because we're controlling it now but we're paying over 11 years. Our deal didn't get better over time our, do, our our offer we just tweaked our offer each time so we made an offer and then they asked for some changes and it's it's changing the levers on the deal equalizer and i've taught the deal equalizer on the podcast before so i won't go into the detail of that now but it it took three months and 10 different offers before we found the solution that suited the vendor now that is an extreme example I don't think it's ever taken that long and that many iterations of an offer, but it was a really big deal to the vendor. They only have this one asset that they really wanted top dollar for. And it was because of our communication. Now I've actually added up my hours. I think I spent about 12 hours on that in total negotiating that. And that's quite a lot of communication direct with the vendor. It would have been impossible to have had those negotiations through a third party so through an agent the agent would have got fed up or frustrated they would have shortcutted the process they would have just written short offers rather than spend the time that I spent on the phone and in whatsapp voice notes and asking questions and understanding that would have been impossible we would have lost the nuances and I nearly lost the deal anyway it nearly wasn't a deal because it took so long we lost a lot of momentum and it got very close to me. Actually, I said, I said to the vendor, if we don't complete it by the end of January, which was about 10 days away when I said it, um, then, then let's knock it on the head. Cause this is a lot of our time. And also we were sat there ready with our 30,000 pounds. So there's an opportunity cost to that. So in answer to your question user, you have to get direct to the vendor right at the start of the process it doesn't really matter what marketing strategy you've used so if you use donut strategy as i've used earlier in this episode the agent introduces you to the vendor if you've used direct to vendor marketing then you're direct to vendor anyway but again it's the wholesale approach rather than the retail but you're right you have to get direct to vendor that's critical you're listening to the sophisticated property investing podcast with frank fleck if you enjoy this content, why not follow Frank's TikTok, where you'll get loads of bite-sized investing tips. Just search TikTok for Frank Flegg. That's Frank F L E double G. So this is from Shane Aslop. So Shane says, "You never talk about refurbishment cost, stamp duty, solicitors, etc." Buying 25% below is easy, but when you all all this in, it's not so easy. So I think what Shane's saying there is, uh, when you count all of that, it's not so easy. So Shane, you're basing that on on one very short couple of minutes clip on TikTok. Um, I do talk about uh, stamp duty, I do talk about legals, and I do talk about refurbishment costs a lot because they're an integral part. All three of those are integral to sophisticated property investing, but in order to keep all the numbers simple and in order to be able to talk smoothly and swiftly about deals, um, we normally approximate those and have fixed figures that we just take into account. So for example, vendor solicitors and purchases solicitors, we normally round up to two and a half thousand pounds. So normally you can get both sets of legals done for two and a half K. So we'll just factor that in. All of my clients know that we're factoring legal to no to factor legals in at two and a half k and everyone knows that stamp duty is at three percent for second properties, so that's really easy to factor in as well, and we do factor it in. I just don't say it in every sentence because it just makes my teaching clunky. I'm going I'm to agree and disagree. <laughs> I agree you have to factor those numbers in, absolutely. So I've talked about legals, talked about stamp duty. So if you're buying a hundred grand house, then it's going to be five and a half grand in purchase costs plus finance costs, two and a half legals, three for for stamp duty. So and of course that goes up as the price of the property goes up so yes you need to factor that and yes it's important I agree I'll come on to refurbishment in a moment in terms of the statement that it's easy to buy 25% below I disagree I disagree I think it's it's quite hard because you have to do so much work you have to talk to so many vendors and you have to it's quite simple it's not complicated people think it's complicated it's not but it, it is quite hard work you know for someone to buy a 25% below market value property every month so 12 in a year that's quite a lot of work that they, they, they don't just fall in your lap so yeah i'm going to disagree on on that point um unless you're taking market value buying at 25% below and it needs work because if a property needs 25,000 pounds worth of work then buying it and it's worth 100 then buying it at 75,000 pounds is really easy because you're actually paying market value and I think that might be what you're hinting at Shane so the way that we buy to be crystal clear my model is 75% of market value assuming it's in a good lettable condition. And of course that might have a tenant in it already. If it requires, let's say 10,000 pounds worth of work, and it's a 200,000 pound property, then we'd be offering 150 minus the 10K. So we'd be offering 140 on a 200,000 pound property. The vendor always pays for the refurbishment if any is required that always gets knocked off because otherwise yeah you could end up paying market value for a property that needs loads of work the other thing i'll mention is refurbishment is really costly on many levels so firstly it takes loads of your time but also you can't get lending on the refurb so if you buy a done up property for 200 grand bank will happily lend you 150 if you buy a absolute dog of a property that done up will be worth 200 grand and you borrow hundred on it and then you spend 50 doing it up that 50 there's no lending you've actually put 50 into it so you've got a lot more money in the property and people say oh you can refinance you can but there's no certainty to that and it can take a long time so Doing refurbishment is not optimal. You don't want to do loads of refurb- refurbishment, Shane, if you can avoid it. And any refurbishment you do has to be knocked off the purchase price after you've knocked off the the twenty five percent discount. So hopefully that answers your question, Shane. But I love that you think buying houses at twenty five percent below is is even possible most people don't think it's possible and you're you're stood there saying it's easy which i love i love that because that that affirmation of you know this is something that's easy to do is it's going to help you that mindset's going to help you i'd much rather you have that mindset than absolute rubbish that that won't work you know this must be uh must be a con of some kind which is what a lot of your beers on tiktok are saying <laughs> next question so this question is a bit of a hostile one. My team have clearly uh, decided to put one in. So this is from A5, I love the name. Is it me or are these property gurus in quotation marks selling more courses than property? Definitely, definitely. I'm definitely selling more courses than property because I don't like to sell property at all. I like to buy property. With deal sourcing, again in quotation marks, guess they genuinely care about making others money. Okay, A5. Let's go. Do I genuinely care about helping my clients? Absolutely. Passionately. I have found my vocation in life. I trained to be a secondary school teacher, but found that I struggled to teach people who didn't want to learn. And now people pay me good money to teach them and they are really eager to learn. And I love teaching. Uh, I do think I was... uh, put on this planet to teach and I get to do that every day now so yeah I absolutely love it um do I I don't think I've read it correctly I don't think a5 is trying to say do I sell more property than I sell courses I think what he's trying to say is do I like make more money from property than I do from courses that's a really good question really good question And I'm going to take it like as a genuine question rather than the (laughs) slightly sarky pointy comment that I think it really is. So I do a fair amount of property. I bought 58 properties last year. I've got around 150 properties now. My net worth has gone up immeasurably more from property than it has from any kind of employment or any kind of teaching, whether that be courses or property franchises, etc. So from that perspective, I make more money from my property portfolio than from teaching others but teaching others is a really good way of increasing my cash flow and buying properties is really cash hungry even if you're buying them at 25 percent below or even if you're doing control now pay later for instance the average cost of acquiring a control now pay later deal is £4,000 that's what it costs in marketing give or take if you're then paying legals and stamp duty let's just say it's a £150,000 property well that's £4,500 in stamp duty and £2,500 in legals that's £7,000 in stamp and legals and £4,000 in marketing spend that's £11,000 to buy one property even if there's no deposit involved. Well, if you're going to buy 58 in a year, that's really quite cash hungry. That that's a lot of money. And so that half a million pounds has got to come from somewhere and my my property portfolio doesn't make me half a million pounds in a year. And that's before I've lived. That's before I've paid my mortgage and bought my food and and been on my holidays. And so for me the two go hand in hand. I'm an active Property investor and i and I know where your comments well I think I know where your comments coming from a five people don't there are a lot of people i don't call myself a guru by the way I'm just a property investor who loves studying psychology and sales and finance and tax and and I love sharing that wisdom and I genuinely do love sharing that wisdom i I think I have the best job on the planet because I love what I do I think there are a lot of people out there who don't actually do property investing and they're just making all their income from from telling people how to invest in property but they're not current and and I think that is it doesn't mean that the courses are rubbish that that's a bit of an assumption to jump to because Tiger Woods's coach can't hit a golf ball better than Tiger Woods so you can be a really good coach can you be a really good mentor well a mentor's generally been there and done that and in property things change very quickly so you need someone who's there and doing that now really I think there is a bit of a risk of of going on on a course where or, or being taught by someone who isn't currently buying the types of properties and doing the types of deals you want to learn how to do. I, I think you should be working with someone who's walking the walk now. I think that is really important A5 which your your comment and question alludes to. The other question that you or point you make is sourcing and and I have seen a lot of marketing around sourcing at the moment, where it's touted as. A really easy way you find properties and you flip them for for finders fees and you can basically quit your day job and it's a a, a really shortcut to to riches and i don't buy that i don't think sourcing is an easy um strategy at all i think it's really hard i've done it done it quite a lot i do what we call turning discounts into cash flow um which is basically sophisticated property flipping and that's a lot more lucrative than deal sourcing some of my clients are averaging 20 thousand pounds a deal um and have done upwards of 10 15 of those deals over the last few years so if you know what you're doing you can make money from sourcing property and then selling it on but not in the way that most people say oh just charge you know a five grand fee hmm that's really hard to find someone who'll pay you a five grand fee um and it's really hard to find the vendor and then it's really hard to put the two together and make the money in the middle so I don't teach like I haven't recommended sourcing in the conventional sense I think perhaps ever and I've helped a lot of people there might be one or two a a long time ago that I would have it would have suited them so if someone's like working in the city and they know a lot of people that want to buy full market value properties then it, it sometimes suits them but i can't remember the last time i recommended it so yeah hopefully that's a, a a real and honest answer a5 about why i teach a i i do love it i absolutely love it b one of my highest values is leverage and so i love that i can stand in a room and tell 20 people a new bit of information and then they'll go and take action and next month they'll come back and three of them have done a deal using that information. That's really exciting to me. And then it cash flows my property buying, which is an investment for the future. Every property I I own today, every property I buy today is going to pay me forever more. Hence why I do my best not to sell many at all and so anything i can do now that enables me to buy more properties so my goal a5 this year is to buy 100 properties in in a, in a sophisticated manner that's going to take quite a bit of cash flowing so i have strategies in place to raise the funds to buy those properties hopefully that answers your question sir if you want to ask more questions by the way feel free to uh, log on to tiktok watch a couple of uh snippets and feel free to uh, to post your questions my team have given me about twice as many questions as i've managed to answer so i'll do another one of these soon and if you want a feature try and use a name that i can like say i think the name of the day is coach 007 even if it was coach Oh, 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 seven um i think that's my favorite name of the day it's, it's closely followed by a5 i quite like a5 goodness knows how early you're on t- twitter because um surely that would have gone quite quickly i love it thank you so much for participating thank you so much for listening i hope my answers have helped you have challenged your limiting beliefs um even if when i was asking the questions you if you're a regular listener you thought oh i know the answer to this and then my my answer reaffirmed the uh, the answer that you'd already given until next time guys happy investing sophisticated property investing make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing now